Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about mistakes that you can find in your way because you know in my practice i always uh, fail many times you know <laughs> and i have a lot of mistakes because without testing it's hard to uh, know what actually works for me and i'm excited to discuss this topic with andrew optimize how are you and Ollie, um I, i don't believe that you've ever made any mistakes we, we all do everything perfectly the first time right uh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, i think uh, I, i remember one interesting quote from elon musk and he said uh if you don't make mistakes you are not innovative enough you know <laughs> so yeah mistakes are the past of the process but uh, if you make perfectly in the first stage why not sure <laughs> probably you know everything in this life <laughs> uh, <laughs> before we start just tell more about yourself your experience background and why you decided to take this topic my name is andrew uh, i run my own company called optimize so optimize isn't really my surname i know that's a big spoiler for loads of people because they really want it to be my surname um i have a far more complicated surname um but andrew optimize is how i'm known um by the people that have, have ever heard of me uh, if you haven't i run optimize i started running about five years ago now i was checking before we, we started chatting so I launched my own business about five years ago just before the whole pandemic thing kicked off that wasn't in the business plan that was exciting Um, but I've been doing SEO and digital marketing for about 20 years or so, probably longer than that, but I don't want to confess to how old I am. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I chose this topic is I spend a lot of my time auditing websites for clients and finding stuff wrong with them. And you start to see patterns. You start to see things that lots of people do wrong a lot of the time, maybe with some variances and stuff in there. But I thought if we could talk about it, then if we can help some people avoid making those mistakes in the first place, then that would be good for the internet, right? Yeah, of course, of course. But you know, I think failing only brings a new experience, nothing else. You know, if you fail, yeah, you can learn. But uh, of course, it's much better if you learn uh, other mistakes and don't make yours. So yeah, but I'm not sure that it's possible to avoid all mistakes, but you can learn and make less mistakes, fewer mistakes than uh, previous. Fewer mistakes is good, right? If you can avoid yeah. making the same mistakes over and over again. That would be good too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, let's start from uh, creating content plan. Uh, can you tell uh, how to create content plan today? Because, you know, I often see when the masters uh, are chasing high volume, uh, they don't uh, spend time, you know, to create a content plan. They usually take existing uh keywords from uh, SEMrush, HRS, uh, many other recognizable tools and uh, trying to compete with big websites that have authority, trust, uh, high quality content. And, you know, they spent a few years without results and they can uh, come to other experts and ask why. I don't know what's going on. Can you tell what's going on? Yeah, that's it's a classic one, right? So we've all seen this where everybody goes after the, the big head keywords because they have, you know, 50,000 searches a month, whatever it is. And that would be great if you could rank for those and rank number one. That would be super cool. Everybody would be happy. Your client would be happy. Your boss would be happy, whoever they were. But that's really hard. If you're coming from nowhere, like you say, if you're kind of trying to then go in there, compete against the Amazons and the Apples and the Nikes and all those, those people probably spend more in their sleep than you have in your entire marketing budget for the year. For most of my clients that I deal with anyway. 
Um, so it's, it's those kind of things where you see people get kind of lured in by the big numbers. Yes, I would like to rank for those things, but you know, we, I, things you like to rank for and things you should rank for are very rarely the same things. So I think mm -hmm. thinking about a content plan is you need to, it's, it should tie back to your business plan, right? What are you good at? So you're, if you're going to be competing with Amazon, what can you do that Amazon can't do? They, they're going to nail the quick delivery thing. If somebody wants it cheap and they want it fast, good luck competing with Amazon because they're going to blow you out of the sea. If somebody wants like, you know, some more personal service or they want some more experience or they want to talk to Anatoly because he is the expert in this particular thing, I don't know, headphones or whatever it is, what can you give that your customers want that your competitors can't give? What's your, what's your unique selling point, the USB, right, that we always talk about in marketing terms? And that's the kind of stuff that then you should tie back to with your content plan. So you might know that you're a really good expert in headphones, but how do you persuade your customers you're an expert in headphones? How do you show that off? How do you persuade Google that you're an expert in headphones? What can you write about to demonstrate your expertise, to share that kind of knowledge, to position yourself as, hey, you know, this is my unique selling point. I know all about headphones. I've been dealing with them for the last 20 years. Here's my favorite ones. Here's my favorite ones under 200 bucks. Here's my favorite ones over 200 bucks. Here's my favorite ones if you want to do a podcast. Here's my favorite ones if you want to go on a really long transatlantic flight and you want comfort. All this kind of stuff that we you know we're thinking about and trying to demonstrate our expertise so that's the way that you should think about your content plan and match your content to those kind of positions and the things that you can show off but yeah very very often we see people go oh like you know i'll do a semrush search or an href search and i'll just pick the top 10 keywords with the most search volume and go for those yay and then they fail <laughs> and then people get cross and seo seo doesn't work and people get fired and it's it's a bad it's a bad situation yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, I understand uh, these people who can tell that uh, SEO doesn't work because, uh, you know, the era of lazy SEOs is that, you know. Uh, yeah, today I tried it for a week and SEO doesn't work, right? So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it takes time. You know, it's not a, uh, only about SEO. It uh, matters to any social media, to any, uh, to create brand, you know, uh, big brands. Uh, for example, when I read the book about Nike and the founder spent, like a few decades to get uh, his brand recognition, you know, uh, he failed many times, he learned, he, uh, uh, perseverance has helped him a lot, you know, to create this brand. So um, it doesn't matter. It's not only about SEO. Uh, please show me results on Instagram or LinkedIn uh, for a few months. I want to see it, you know. Yeah, it takes time, you know, that, that's normal. That's part of the process. By the way, you mentioned about Amazon many other recognizable brands but you know i found one way how to compete with them uh, even two ways the first way uh, when you can find uh, lack of quality no, not a lack of quality content irrelevant content online for example if you search for your keywords and can see amazon with irrelevant content that means google uh, pushes this content because of authority and you have a big chance to create uh, really uh, relevant content and get results and the second way not to compete with them just forget skip it <laughs> and find uh, in other places luckily in seo we have many things to do you know uh, uh can you tell how to uh find the right keywords today for example if i use semrush hrs i can see a list of keywords a bunch of keywords in you know, a lot of them uh, thousands of them how to find uh my keywords and group them filter out uh to uh, i don't know to filter out bad keywords or irrelevant keywords or uh with uh, uh i don't know like um, keyword difficulty high keyword difficulty what do you think so a really good way to do some of this like when you see particularly when you see those big sexy exciting terms you go oh 
50,000 searches a month, 500,000 searches a month is to go and look at the search results. It sounds really stupid and it's really obvious, but so many SEOs that I work with don't spend enough time on Google. They spend mm -hmm. so much time in SEMrush and Hrefs and all these tools and Screaming Frog and it, go and look at the search results. That will tell you what Google is either thinking it should put in that place or is currently working really well. Like Google very rarely makes mistakes. With, I know we're going to have loads of people going, Google makes mistakes all the time, but Google usually gets this stuff kind of right. They have a very clear idea of what those customers are looking for. So you might see, so a good example is, was, um, do you know what cricket is? So like the sport cricket, kind of like baseball, I can see we've got lots of people logging in from India. They'll be all over cricket. But I'm thinking as a Ukrainian sort of in the US, you might, so cricket's kind of like baseball, British sport, very popular, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. particularly in like, you know, places like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, all big cricketing countries. Um, I used to work for a cricket ground in the UK, like a big sports stadium. And we used to want to rank for things related to cricket. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. We would rank for lots of things related to crickets, the insects, because people would want to buy crickets to feed to their pet snake or they'd all these. Kind of, and you get this kind of confusion. So if you think you want to rank for cricket and you go and look at the search results and you find that actually the things that are ranking at the top are all related to insects and you don't sell insects, you're selling cricket, the sport. There's a bit of a mismatch there. So we've all done that kind of stuff, right? Where you think, oh, I know exactly what I want. I'm going to Google, I'm typing it in, and you get 8 billion search results and you go, ugh. And so you refine your search, you add more words, you know, you add cricket, the sport, or you add shoes, you add red shoes, red men's shoes, size eight, red men's shoes, size eight to play tennis. You add all these things to qualify. And that that's your customers narrowing the search down for you, right? If you sell red tennis shoes, you don't want people that want red high heeled shoes. Those people aren't going to buy your stuff. So ranking number one for red shoes might be great and might be very sexy. And your boss would be like, oh, we're ranking number one for this keyword with 100,000 search volume. This is great. But most of those customers don't want what you sell. So start mm -hmm. to look at the search results and start to add those kind of refining characteristics. Like, you know, it's like your customers pre-qualifying themselves, right? We all have this kind of sales process where you get a kind of warm lead and a qualified lead and you get someone closer and closer to giving you their money. Like Google does that stuff for you. If you can find those keywords that are already refining the search down to that really specific thing that you want, yeah, okay, they're not as exciting because they don't have billions and billions of search volume. But most of those people searching for that thing, like buy red tennis shoes, men's size, and you've got those, those are the people that you want. They're way more close to the tilt and giving you their money than all those other people that are just kind of kicking around the edges. So you can use that kind of stuff to you know look at the search results um, keyword difficulty and those kind of things. That, again, uh, these tools are all great, but it's it, there's nothing quite like the sort of human brain yet. I mean, I know AI is getting close, but you know, use your brain a little bit as well. If if its keyword difficulty is really low, maybe there's a reason for that too. Like go and look at those search results. Think, oh, I found a great opportunity, and you go and look at this search result, and the search results are nowhere near what you sell either. That's not a good mm -hmm. time just because the keyword difficulty is low and the volume's high doesn't make it a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you mentioned about unique selling proposition. Uh, uh, can you tell uh, how to differentiate uh, your products uh, from competitors? Uh, if we are talking about SEO, if we want to get SEO traffic, uh, how to prioritize your efforts? Because, you know, uh, I often see when webmasters uh, want to cover a lot of keywords with limited resources. For example, they have budget like, I don't know, $2,000, and uh, but they want to cover uh, keywords uh, with high keyword difficulty for 100 pages. It's a lot, you know, sometimes it, it, it doesn't make sense. Can you tell more about choosing priorities and highlighting your U USP? 
So there's there's a couple of questions there. So USP, I think, is then so as an SEO, that's not really your job. I would mm -hmm. say that that isn't your job as an SEO. That's the business. If they don't know what their unique selling point is, you can kind of present that back to them as a question saying, you know, hey, these are the people I I think you're competing with in the search results. They're the Amazons, the Nikes, the app, and maybe not even those, you know, super mega companies, but compared to the small company that you're working with, if you've only got $2,000 budget, mm -hmm. they were going to have competitors. Let's say it's a small bakery. There's going to be other bakeries in the town, right? So you can say these are the companies that, Google is putting you in the search results with currently below. Um, and what what do you have that they don't have? Like, you know, if imagine that you're not an SEO, you have somebody in the street come up to you and goes, hey, Antolly, like, what's the best bakery around here? I want to get a nice cake for my girlfriend's birthday, whatever it is. What would you say? You'd say, oh, you'd say, go, go to these guys because fill in the blank, because mm -hmm, the service mm -hmm. is really great, because the value is really good, because they always deliver it quickly, because, oh, my God, their icing is the best. You've got to taste the icing. It's so good on their cake. Wh whatever it is, that's that's your SEO goodie stuff, right? Whatever those customers would say, I would recommend this bakery over this bakery because there's your USP. Mm -hmm. And if your customers are really like, we don't know what our USP is. That's not an SEO problem. That's a way bigger problem than anything else. You're not going to fix that <laughs> yeah. with SEO. It's it's like you know, my house is falling down. Here's a screwdriver. Good luck. It's, uh -huh. like, that's, it's not an SEO problem. Um, yeah. I can't remember what the other part of your question was. <laughs> I knew there was two parts. Uh, uh, I mean, like how to unite USP with priorities uh, when hmm. we choose keywords. Prioritization is another really. So if you've got a small budget, um, and again, I would try and tie it back to the business. So if and again, talk to the talk to the businesses you're working. Me as an SEO consultant, it's not my business. I'm working with um, other people's companies, and they will say, you know, we want more people through the door. We want more customers. We want more people in our restaurant. We want more bookings. We want more e-commerce sales. Whatever it is, but they will have an idea of which customers are worth more than others. So it's like, you know, if we sell one pair of socks, cool, that's kind of five dollars. But we also sell, I don't know. Tennis lessons. <laughs> I'm trying to think of terrible, mm -hmm. terrible example. But every tennis lesson booking turns into 10 tennis lessons, which on average brings us about $500. So, mm -hmm. okay, you might sell 10 more pairs of socks and make 50 bucks. You might sell two tennis lessons and make a thousand. That's your prioritization. So, which, mm -hmm. are the, which are the customers do you want more of those? To, like, if you could have your dream customer and, like, you know, everything again, it's asking the right questions. When you talk to your your clients, you'll, you'll say they'll say, you know, oh, our customers are everyone. We want everyone. We want men and women, boys and girls, young and old, rich and poor. We want everyone. We don't care. But it's like they do care, really. If you can drill down into it and ask the right questions, it's like, you know, they don't want people that are going to come in and look in the window and then leave with a, you know, $3 key, key ring. Those aren't the mm -hmm. big value customers. They want the person that shows up in a brand new Tesla, has hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend, cleans the store out. Those are the customers they want. How do they, how do you get more of those? So then it's that's your prioritization part where it's like, okay, right. These are the things that mm -hmm. appeal to this customer. These are the things that appeal to this customer. Let's focus our $2,000 effort just on this area. If we can then bring in, you know, 10% more of just this small little area, but we can bring in 10% more of these kind of customers, the value to the business is way more. Mm -hmm. And that then gets you the buy-in because then you get, you get two more bookings in the tennis lessons. Suddenly you're an SEO genius. Suddenly the purse strings become a bit looser and they go, hey, maybe you do know what you're talking about with this SEO stuff. Let's try this again. Here's another $2,000. Well, maybe we'll make mm -hmm. it 5000 this time because everything went so well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, I can't avoid one question. Sorry for that. You know, I, I can see some books on your background. Can you tell mm. which books do you like more? <laughs> and can you recommend some books? <laughs> oh, this is this is just, so the, the books in the background. This is my, my wife is an author, so most mm-hmm. of the books. So can I do a plug for her book? You get it. Yeah. So this this is her book. So she she wrote this book. This is my clever wife. So she's the brains in our house. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so mo- most of the books back here she wrote. So uh, uh-huh. they're not SEO related. Um, okay got it <laughs> but S- seo books um is a tricky one because as soon as you write it down it's out of date right mm-hmm. because it's changing all the time and it's super yeah. quick and you know by the time you write it down and then send it to the printers and the printers print it and, th- th- and you get it delivered at best it's kind of two three months out of date usually more than that um but there are some really good ones so I, actually by coincidence i do have i do have one here but uh so this is this is not in shot but this one was um a book by david bain Mm-hmm, from majestic mm-hmm. so seo in 2022 um the reason i got i've got that is because i'm in it that's a sh- uh-huh. shameless shameless self-promotion but it, he spoke to i think to 66 of the world's leading seos so like uh-huh. super brainy people in there some some of which you've had on your podcast people like um alida and barry adams and mm-hmm. you know really really super brainy people from seo and me um mm-hmm. <laughs> in nice. there too but <laughs> so just just some some thinking about things for 2022 like you know if you were going to make your SEO mm-hmm. plan for 2022, what sort of things might you want to consider? That's a really mm-hmm. good one. Yeah, uh, I usually read uh, marketing books, you know, just uh, mm-hmm. marketing books because it's foundation. It doesn't matter uh, it concerns SEO or not, because, for example, even uh, some uh, great books from uh, 70s from John Josh Ugerman, and he wrote about uh, starting with uh, first simple sentences. And I can see this issue because when uh, visitors open your website, Users, they usually uh, start reading, and when they get a simple sentence, uh, you can retain their attention. You can uh, catch them, you know, it's like hook. And, you know, this book was written uh, 40 years ago, but today I often see these websites in the top 10 results with simple uh, sentences, even apple.com. If you open apple.com, you can see uh, simple uh, short sentences, you know, nothing hard written, nothing special, but uh, simplicity is key. Uh, what do you think about creating simple content? Uh, how do we know it's simple or not? Everybody likes to think that marketing is like, you know, it's constantly evolving. I mean, I said it myself, like, oh, you know, as soon as you write it down about SEO, it's out of, out of date. Um, but the principles of marketing and the principles of doing good marketing, they're the same, right? You said that book from like the 1970s, it's like 50 years old. But like, mm-hmm. have a good product, have good service, you know, make it clear what you do and what you sell. Like, you know, that, those kind of principles haven't changed. So, yeah, simple content is, um, yeah, is a really important one because it's, uh, you know, this, like we've, I can see again from like lots of people logging into this. You're speaking to me in your second language. You've got lots of people mm-hmm. here who I suspect English isn't their first language. I struggle with English the majority of the time, even though it's my native language. If you if you overcomplicate things, you're going to lose people along the way, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you can make it really simple, like you know the uh, classic marketing thing is you you uh, sell sell the sizzle, not the sausage. So when you're baking mm-hmm. like a hot dog, nobody wants to buy a slice of pork in a bun. That's not exciting. Mm-hmm. But the smell and the the thing of that uh, that thing being cooked and like you know all the, and the, you know all these kind of things, the feeling you're going to get a nice warm feeling inside and the taste of the mustard. That's the kind of stuff that gets people interested in your product, right? You, you sell the problem that you're solving. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, an iPod has, you know, 660 gig space, whatever else it is. It's like, oh, but it, you can have all your songs in one place and carry it around on your hip. Now iPods are kind of mm-hmm. dead and defunct. But it's like, 
sell the problem that you're solving. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, it's those, those kind of principles of, if you can't explain it to me, like I'm five, then it's too complicated. So, mm -hmm. you know, people go, oh, we, we can't explain it because our, our product is so complicated that, like, you know, we can't possibly explain it to people really simply. You can, mm -hmm. you just need to find a way to do that. It's like, you know, and that's, I think often quite underrated, like copywriting, good copywriting, like Apple spend a whole lot of money on really good copywriters, like mm -hmm. distilling that thing down to like sort of three, four, five really powerful words that convey that message. That's really hard. That's mm -hmm. a really good, yeah. really important skill. Um, it's art. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It takes it takes time to get this experience and you know, all to write a lot. Yeah, to write a lot and edit. Uh, you know, um, when I check out some uh, advertisement from BMW, Mercedes, many other recognizable brands. You know, for example, if I see a new car, BMW, I can see a, a nice car. You know, uh, looks expensive, uh, looks good, uh, with happy, uh, successful people. Uh, 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 they're driving this car and you know uh but when i check out some online shops uh, uh simple online shops they usually set up uh, all features but i can see on bmw on mercedes benz they usually uh, share story you know uh, of successful people who can drive this car uh, probably all uh, other car brands have the same features you know uh, the same speed but they uh, highlight some other strong side because 75% of all decisions are emotions, not uh, by uh, not logic. You know, when you read these features, if someone needs these features, they can open, uh, I don't know, other page, you know, uh, that explain details about new products. So, yeah, I think simplicity is, is very important today. But I think, again, it's about knowing your audience, right? So, mm -hmm. um I can't remember which car brand it was, but one of the car brands, you know, they, they did this whole thing around, they, they understood that their market, the key people they needed to persuade or like, so a good example I'll use for my personal life is around stuff that my kids do. Like, so I have clubs and activities that my children do and they're not paying. I have to pay. So mm -hmm. the person trying to persuade me to part with my, they're not talking to my 14 year old. They're talking to me. So what do I want to know about it? I want to know, is it going to keep them healthy? Is it going to keep them safe? Is it going to be setting them up for their you know, life in future? Is it going to be, you know, teaching them things? Is it going to be making them more employable in future? Those are the kind of things I want to hear. And, you know, but they also need to have that kind of content on their site as well, because then when I go to my kid and I say, hey, I found this class for you mm -hmm. to do at the weekends, my kid also wants to know, well, who's going to be there? What, you know, is it going to be fun? You know, how many of my friends can come? You know, how long is it going to take? Those kind of things that the kids want to know. So you kind of need to think about who your audiences are. Um, you need to ad address both. So that kind of the car one is a good one, right? So cars are an emotional mm -hmm. decision. Like, you know, you don't spend 80,000 pounds on a car when you could get on for 8,000. They're the same thing, mm -hmm. right? It's four, wheel four wheels on a roof. But mm -hmm. you, spend, you yeah. spend more because of emotional reasons, like because you want the brand and the prestige and the comfort and the safety for your kids, whatever, all those things. Um, but you also need to have all that technical information, right? That's got to be on your website. If, you know, as, as a supercar nerd, you're going in there and you want to know what the brake horsepower is and you want to know what tires it comes with fitted as standard and you want to know all these things. If you don't have that information on your website, that's going to be a problem because your competitors mm -hmm. will have it. But yeah, yeah, it's those kind of, it's finding the right places for all your messages, right? If you if you open yeah. with the brake horsepower, yeah, probably not so cool. You need to have that information in the page, but lower down. 
exactly exactly yeah uh, because uh, when you submit this information in the first visible screen it's not a good idea <laughs> but if you uh, yeah uh, share this information on other parts where people are looking for this information why not yeah you can do it okay let's get back to the main topic about mistakes can you tell mm. which mistakes common mistakes uh webmasters usually do today Oh, I've got loads. So I wrote down a whole bunch before we started. So um, a good one I've seen recently is, um, and it's an important one because it's in reporting data. Um, so I've been working a lot with e-commerce stores recently and everybody has mm -hmm. to do all these kind of things to make their e-commerce um, site super simple to use. So you have things that integrations with PayPal and you integrate with Stripe and Amazon Pay and Google Pay and all these things. So, you know, it's super easy for people to part with their money, which is a really good idea. Um, but then you have this break in, so lots of people at the moment using Google Analytics, um, people switching to GA4 as well, um, but they have an attribution issue. And there's a common situation that I see lots and lots and lots of times where you'll go and look in their analytics because they'll start, they'll come to an SEO consultant like me and they'll say, hey, Andrew, we want to work with you. We need more traffic. And I'll go, great. How much of your revenue is organic traffic currently contributing to your site? And they'll go, oh, we don't know. We'll, we'll look in analytics. And analytics says 20%. I'm like, really? That, that sounds low. Okay, let's have a look. And you look at it and it says 20% for organics. Okay, so that's true. And you look and it says like 60, 70% referrals. Like, wow, you've got some really big referring. Like who the heck are you getting these referrals from? Like, maybe they're running an affiliate thing. Or something. So you look mm -hmm. into it a little bit more. You find in the referrals, PayPal, Stripe, Amazon Pay, Google. Mm -hmm. You think, okay, well, so either you've got links on all those websites, in which case you need to tell me how you do that because I would love to get a link from Google and from PayPal and all this because I don't know how to do that. Or there's an attribution problem and something is broken in your analytics. And it's this, so I won't go into the whole, but it's this kind of thing where you send them off your website to PayPal for a little bit, and then they come back again. And then that comes back in again as, as a new user in analytics, and it wipes all the previous attribution. So even if they mm -hmm. came in from your Twitter feed or you're from your LinkedIn post or YouTube or your podcast or whatever it was, then they would be in analytics as attributed to that channel. Then they actually buy something, they disappear off to PayPal, they come back again, and all that previous attribution thing is wiped out and now they're from PayPal. Mm -hmm. So you can't attribute any of your traffic. So all this money that you're spending on SEO consultants or social media consultants or YouTube content, all this kind of stuff, all gets lost. And everything is, you know, suddenly PayPal is your biggest friend because it sends all your traffic. It's, it's a messed up situation. So it's like, um, I likened this for a, a client the other day in terms of, you know, you're messing up the attribution. So it's like working in a supermarket and all the staff only get paid on commission. So only the person at the checkout gets paid, right? Because they're the only person that makes money. But then what about the person that stacked the shelves and the person that, you know, bought all the products and the person that, you know, went to the farm to, you know, talk to the farmer to get the milk and, you know, it's mm -hmm. a mess. If, if your attribution is messed up, then you can't show how your efforts are working or not working. You know, so you can't have that discussion with your colleague and say, hey, you know, PPC is great, but it only brings in 10% of the revenue and spends 50% mm -hmm. of the budget. SEO brings in 30% of the revenue and only gets 10% of the budget. Let's have mm -hmm. a discussion about this. So those mm -hmm. are the kind of, so that's a common one that I see a lot, like attribution stuff messed up in analytics and it's dead simple mm -hmm. to fix. So you can just, um, you can Google it. <laughs> it's really easy <laughs> to fix. You can just, uh, it's just, you can add exclusions to your referrers in analytics and you can exclude mm -hmm. all those things out. So when, when Google analytics sees a referrer from PayPal, it takes it off mm -hmm. and then you keep all your original attributions so you know, okay, well, that person that went off and they came back via PayPal, we're not going to count that bit. Originally, they came from Twitter or originally they came from LinkedIn or whatever. Suddenly, mm -hmm. 
LinkedIn's revenue contribution to your site goes through the roof and you're like, aha, LinkedIn is a really good channel for us. We didn't know that till now. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, love it. Uh, what about SEO mistakes? Can you share SEO mistakes <laughs> that uh, webmasters usually do? <laughs> uh, lots of people tend to like um, IP detection. So they have mm -hmm. a big international website and they've got a version in Belgium and France and Canada and the UK and the US and all these things. And they're like, well, we don't, we don't want to show the US content to the UK audience. And uh, how can we make this super simple for people? I know we'll IP detect them. So as they come in, we'll detect their IP address and then we'll show them only the correct content based on their IP address. Seems super simple. Developers like it, marketers like it, um, the bosses like it because then like, you know, the lawyers like it because the lawyers get very anxious about people seeing the wrong content and like, you know, they might get information which they shouldn't get depending on the laws and various things for di different territories. SEO wise, it can be a disaster if you get this wrong. So like a really big problem because of the majority mm -hmm. of the time, Google only crawls from the US. So Googlebot, mm -hmm. the little spider which goes out from Google's offices in California, almost always they do throw in different countries and different user agents and stuff now and again, but almost always it's um, from the US. So if you're mm -hmm. only showing your US content to US IP addresses, Googlebot's only ever going to see your US content. So your lovely content, which you've written in French and put on your Belgian site and you've written in French and put on your France site and you've written in French and put on your French and your Canadian site and you've got an English version also for the Canadian audience, Googlebot's not going to see any of that. So you're not going to mm -hmm. rank. <laughs> so it's a really big problem. Um, yeah, terrible. So, so there are ways around it. Again, so like using things like href lang tags, you can start mm -hmm. to communicate to Googlebot like, okay, we do have a US version. We also have an English mm -hmm. language version for the UK. We have an English language version for Australia. We have an English language version for Canada. We have a French language version for Canada. All those kind of things that you can use to then communicate to Googlebot what you're trying to do. Uh, generally, mm -hmm. IP detection, IP blocking is, um, my friend used the phrase, Dave Smart used the phrase foot gun. So it's a big gun pointed at your foot. Don't pull the trigger on that one. <laughs> so you can do IP detection. So a good compromise that makes the developers happy and makes the marketers happy is you can present it to users, give them the choice. You can say, mm -hmm. look, we think you're in Canada. Would you like to go to our Canada site here? Just click this big Canada flag and we'll take you to the Canada site. Or if you want to choose for yourself, here's the list of the other sites. Let people, mm -hmm. choose, we've, we've all done that as well, right? Where we've been on holiday in Spain, it IP detects us and will only show us content in Spanish. And you're thinking, I don't speak Spanish. Can I see the English site, please? And it's really mm -hmm. hard to unpick it and to find the English site. So give users the option, let people control it. So, you know, mm -hmm. you can try and help them along the way. Say, hey, you know, based on your IP address, we think you're in the US. Let us help you out. We'll make it super simple for you. Here's the US site. If you really mm -hmm. want to go somewhere else, you can choose. We don't recommend it, but yeah love it love. yeah nice insights okay uh let's talk about link building you know uh can you share mistakes with link building because you know uh, i got uh, the request a few days ago and uh the webmaster asked me you know i, I spent uh, so much time on fiverr trying to find good uh, link builders i ordered all <laughs> all possible uh gigs there but i can't get results for two years and you know uh, i was thinking Two years you tried to get results from Fiverr? You know, why you didn't stop? Why you didn't read information? Can you tell how to write the right link building strategy? Because it's not uh, only uh, this request. I think many people are trying to get uh, good links on Fiverr or uh, similar platforms. I don't want to tell Fiverr is bad, you know, uh, because, for example, I usually order on Fiverr some design, you know, yeah. 
uh, there are great uh, specialists, freelancers. I order some uh, audio uh, subtitles, you know, and many similar things. So it's possible to find good freelancers, there, but not about link building. What do you think? Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, I don't want to, you know. Can I swear on this podcast? I'm not sure about that. I don't want to like be mean to Fiverr. Um, and like you say, then there there are lots of good people that do sell their work through Fiverr. And I know particularly for um, you know uh, countries uh, outside of the kind of the big sort of Western countries like the US and the UK, then they find s- selling their services through Fiverr is great for those kind of economies because mm-hmm. you know depending on conversion rates between currencies, like you know getting paid a hundred, you wouldn't be able to get a good copywriter in the UK for a hundred pounds. But £100 goes a lot further in other countries where, you know, a pound will buy a great, greater amount of their local currency. So you can get really talented people um, for a smaller budget on Fiverr. But it, it is a little bit like kind of shooting in the dark because there are so many bad people on Fiverr that are selling ropey services that will not do you any good at all. I guess with with copywriting and captions, there's less risk. Like, you know, if you got your captions back yeah. from the person on Fiverr and they were garbage, that was full of spelling mistakes and terrible, you just wouldn't put them anywhere, right? You'd just be able, I'm not going to put that on the video. That was a waste of time. And you write that budget off. With link building, then you can do some real damage. Like, you know, if you get bad links and you get spammy links and you get links from nefarious places that Google starts to think, hmm, this doesn't look quite right. You can get things like manual penalties where you'll get knocked out of the rankings or you'll just get, you know, suppressed in the search results. And it can like really break businesses. You know, if you suddenly lost all your organic traffic overnight for a lot of companies, that would be the difference between paying the bills and not paying the bills that month. Um, So bad link building can be really quite harmful. Um, So how to do good link building. Uh, This is really hard. Good link building is really hard that, you know, if it's if it's cheap. Then it's generally not good, right? If you we're talking back back to talking about cars, right? If the car's eight thousand pounds and the car's eighty thousand pounds, generally you would expect the eighty thousand pounds cars to be better, right? It's going to have more comfortable mm-hmm. seats. It's going to be look better. It's going to be more prestigious. You know, if you're paying five, ten, fifty, a hundred bucks for links, when other companies are charging hundreds and thousands, tens of thousands of pounds, there's probably mm-hmm. a suggestion that those five, ten, fifty buck links are probably not that great. Uh, there's no guarantee that the 10,000 pound links are, are any good. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if it's cheap, it's generally you get what you're paying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always try to talk to my clients in terms of like quality, not quantity. Like it used to be back in the day, like, you know, I'm old enough to remember an SEO things where if you and I had competing websites, if you had 100 links and I had 101, I win. I rank higher. Mm-hmm. Bad luck for you. You know, you then go out and get 102. I get 105. We go back and forth and Google soon cottoned onto that. And now, you know, not all links are created equal. It's not like the whole bit kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so links from good places like, you know, reputable places like CNN or MSNBC or the times or the telegraph or the, you know, these big BBC, the big kind of publications in the world, they're worth a lot more than a link from my random SEO blog. That kind of makes sense. It's this kind of recommendation in the street, right? You know, if you get a recommendation from your friend who, you know, reads about cars and knows about cars and is an authority on cars and you're saying, hey, which car should I buy? Their recommendation is worth more than my 10-year-old daughter who doesn't care about cars, isn't interested in cars at all. She says, oh, I like Mm -hmm. the red car. I mean, it's not worth anything, is it? You don't know what that means. Um, So it's the same kind of thing with links. You know, think about if you were a customer who was looking for your business, 
where would you want to see recommendations from that business? Where would you want to see them recommended? You'd want to see them recommended by, you know, the local business bureau. You'd want to see them recommended by people in that local area. You want to see them recommended by, you know, that kind of hobby blogger. You know, there's there's all those sites that we've we've all seen, which, you know, kind of spun up fan sites, you know, but they're basically just big link building, you know, usually PBNs like private blog networks that somebody's built overnight to look authoritative and, you know, these kind of things, but they're just doing it for the links. But there are, you know, things like Wirecutter, from the New York Times, that you know, those are the kind of real. Like when you're thinking to buy like tech, and you read the reviews on Wirecutter, you know they're good. You know they've gone really deep into it. They've reviewed this thing to like literally to breaking point with lots of their things. A review and a recommendation from them is good. And as a customer, I trust them. That's where Google's trying to get to, right? They're trying to get to the point where they can work out which are the trustworthy websites. So think mm-hmm. about those kind of places where you know you would want to get a recommendation from. Um, and if you can get links with those and you have to spend a bit more time and a bit more investment, you have to you know, do it. If it's easy, if you can just buy a link for 50 bucks, it's probably garbage. You know, if you have to mm-hmm. spend a bit more time and like, you know, build a relationship with those people and say, hey, you know, we're a local business in this area. and We'd like to really work. with. How could we work with you? You know, what kind of things could we work on together? You know, what kind of expertise can you offer them? So a, a client I had um, sold wine. He's a really fancy, expensive one, more than I could afford, but it was super fancy. But he was targeting a really specific group of people that are going to spend large amounts on bottles of wine, right? But he had all this super interesting information, like just in his head and in his database of which are the right times to buy this kind of wine. And when should you get French wines over Argentinian wines? And when should you get uh, Italian wines over Chilean wines? All this information. And so then he worked with some kind of food blogs and said, okay, well, I can give you some recommendations around you know, if you're looking to buy a wine from this year or you're looking to buy wine to go with this food or you're looking for this kind of occasion and then his expertise, then he's offering value to that that other website, right? And for him, it was easy. It was like, you know, mm-hmm. he was just like, right, fine, give me a phone call, set me down for half an hour with these people. I'll give them all the information they need. They mm-hmm. write the content, they attribute it to him. He gets a little link, you know, Anatoly's wine blog.com, whatever it was, that's the link. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of thing, and it, it's painful and it takes a lot. Nobody wants to hear this because it's like, right, you know, everybody wants to hear where can I buy the right links that can just give me, you know, for 500 bucks. I don't mind if it's 600 bucks, I'll pay. And, you know, they want the quick and easy. Everybody wants that, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you can, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes it works, sometimes it takes a while for Google to catch up to you. Usually it doesn't, <laughs> usually it doesn't yeah. help that much long term. It's not a great long term strategy. The good long term strategy is time, effort, commitment. It's hard, right? It's like, you know, like getting in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be in Rocky Balboa shape, you got to take the time. Yeah, you mentioned uh, $50 for link. And I remember <laughs> when someone uh, shared with me that he paid $5 for a million links. Uh, I don't know how to create this report and check out all these million links, <laughs> you know, for $5, you know. Yeah, uh, I think it, it takes a lot more time to check out even a thousand links from this report. You know? <laughs> yeah. Then it costs, costs you more than five dollars to do this, do the spam check, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, okay. I, I have the final question about learning SEO. Uh, for example, if you start today, uh, according mm-hmm. to your experience, how to learn SEO, uh, which way is better to do it? Because you know, I, I often get this question, I want to jump on this field. Uh, what kind of future will be? Because uh, someone uh, is telling that SEO is dying, you know, someone tells uh, it doesn't work, uh, but uh, we can see that SEO is growing according to uh, many studies. Uh, from your experience, how to learn today in the correct way? In the correct way, the um, way that I would recommend is for people to build a site and try and rank it. 
Mm-hmm. Sounds a really really silly thing to do, but like you know, there are so many places where you can build a site for free. You can build a site for free on WordPress, on you know Wix, on Squarespace. You can get like anything where you can kind of throw together enough content, pages, some pictures, some things, the words that you want to write about, and try and get that site to rank. And that, and it can be about anything. Like you know, people think, oh, you know, I've got to make a business. I've got to have a side hustle. Everybody's got to have a side hustle, or like you know, fifteen side hustles, or a cryptocurrency, or whatever. It, it can be about anything you want. Like whatever you're interested in, whether that's you know, football sorry, soccer for the Americans, like cricket, knitting, cars, headphones, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you feel like as a person, personally, you, you know about whether it's your hobby, whatever that is, and try and write that site, spend some time on it and try and get mm-hmm. it to rank. And you'll learn really quickly that way because you'll make loads of mistakes. And like we were talking right at the beginning about making mistakes, you'll mess things up and you'll, you know, you can try all those things because it's your hobby site. If you kill it and you tank it, it doesn't matter. If you do it with a client's website, that can be more of a problem. But if you buy those, you know, a million links for $5 and it wipes you off the map, you haven't lost anything. <laughs> It'll be kind of annoying and you might need to go and start again with another hobby site. Um, uh-huh. But those kind of things can be a really good way to learn. Like, you know, see what ranks, you know, when you write, you know, all these, you can t- test out all the myths, right? You've got to write more than 300 words. Do you try and mm-hmm. rank a page with 299? See if you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like try and, you know, oh, you have to, you know, have you have to write, 2000 words you have to spill out your life story and you know your mother's maiden name and which school you went to and even if you're writing about like you know apple pie recipes everybody has to then include like their entire life story. no you don't but it's like but try it you know all right you mm-hmm. know all these all these things that you read about in the seo world build your own website build a playground a sandbox mess it up break it break it on purpose then see if you can fix it all those things you'll learn so much doing that way that's that what i say i would say is the right way to learn um, and the other way then is, um, there's loads and loads of free resources and stuff out there. So, um, I've already mentioned her already, but, uh, Alida Solis, uh, has a website learning seo.io. Um, mm-hmm. and she has just collated so many great free resources there from like, you know, slide decks from presentations to, um, courses, uh, excerpts from books. There's just, so, and it's all broken down into little chapters. It can seem really overwhelming when you think I've got to learn SEO and then you start learning about technical SEO and content SEO and, schema and it can just be like oh where do i even start there's so much to learn um and a leader's site uh learning seo.io um is really helpful and it breaks it down into much more kind of manageable chunks where you think okay like just today i'm just going to start on content mm-hmm. i'm going to think like how do i how do i make a good content plan what are the kind of things i should include what are the things i shouldn't include and it really breaks it down into little bite bite size pieces um yeah, just get started. Yeah, it's always one of the. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like you know, I just mentioned, made the joke about getting in Rocky Balboa shape, right? You know, you don't, you're not going to be Rocky Balboa tomorrow, but mm-hmm. start. You'll you'll be yeah. you'll, you'll be better tomorrow than you were today. Then keep going and keep going and keep going, and then eventually you'll learn a lot more. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, it's the same like uh, to read uh, a book about how to play football. You know, or soccer doesn't matter. <laughs> If you read this book, even 10 books, 100 books, if you don't play, you can't be successful. <laughs> you know, you need to play in the first stage and then to read books. You know, yeah, for me, yeah, acting is more important than learning. Learning is important. Yeah, you need to know the way, but it's more about uh, to know what to do just uh, to, sh- uh, to get the way and uh, open this door and yeah, <laughs> and come in. Okay, Andrew, it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. <laughs> uh, I spend far much t- time, uh, too much time on Twitter. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I'm generally Optimizee everywhere. So um, I know we've got lots of people from what, so Optimizee is spelled the English way, no Zs. So O-P-T-I-M-I-S-E-Y. But Optimizee on um, Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, I'm all, all over all sorts of places. Um, and Optimizee.com, funnily enough, is my website. So those are the sorts of places you can find me. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. You know, love all your valuable insights. Uh, I send this video to my team. They need to learn as well, you know, <laughs> some insights because, yeah, yeah, it's more important. You know, we are students. Uh, I'm a student. Me too. Me too. Learning. Still learning. <laughs> yeah, still learning. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for having me. Slava Ukraini. Great, Slava. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.